I I just opened the the episode intro up in Adobe and um some of the words have been replaced with with yeah I I, I wrote this whole thing about how spooky is but but then it twisted around and the big reveal was <laughs> oh that that's great uh, so so what happened well it seems like someone's claimed ownership of the words and and now Adobe don't have the license, and you have to pay extra to to say those words. I'm not paying to say. Well, I guess we'll just have to scrap the whole. Fuck. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnetdale. I'm not Jane Eyre's Magnetdale. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast where two queer trans women just have a bit of a catch-up about our weeks and the, the media we've consumed and try and make each other have a bit of a giggle. Two queer snuggly little beans. Yeah. Look at us in our dressing gowns and our blankets. I mean, look, winter is, is arriving, the cold weather is coming and we have blankets. <laughs> no one can afford to turn the heating on. We have, we have dressing gowns and blankets and this mm-hmm. is how it will be for the next, I'm going to say, four, four months. Well, well, well if, if Smudge looks out of the window and sees her shadow, then maybe there will be an extra month of winter winter who knows oh who knows well if we look at the topic list and see some things we've played we know what that means what what you played this week oh i'm starting i'm i'm still getting on with breath of the wild yeah really enjoying it still um it was interesting that i got to my finish the fourth divine beast Mm. and at that point it was like hey you can go and do the the expansion pack uh champions ballad stuff now yay getting to do that stuff while the game isn't finished so that you can enjoy the motorcycle while you still have some game left i mean i haven't got as far as unlocking the motorcycle yet but i have done the um the bit where you have to go around the great plateau and fight like four encampments of enemies yeah without taking a single hit oh yeah yeah like that's 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 a fun little challenge it's like oh yes all the health i've been wearing up all the armor i've been powering up and and working on yeah since you got back to that bit i've been thinking about that content and it really does feel like that content fits a lot better during the adventure than Mm -hmm. On a completed 100%ed save file. Yes, because that is when I originally played it. Yeah, same. Like, and so many of the things in that deal in in the DLC for that game feel like they do a lot more if you're starting a fresh save. Yeah. Like the little line that tracks where you've been and haven't been and sort of your path through the yeah. world and all that stuff. So much more useful if you use it not on a save file that you've only just. Yep. And that ability. Uh, the fact that you can go and find Midna's helmet and it's guardian resistant at yeah. a level of the, I think it's like one star um, uh, being, ancient armor. Yep, uh, being able to get the mask that shakes whenever Korok seeds are around. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't got to that bit yet, but I know where to find it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I've got the Phantom Ganon armor. I've oh, got the Majora's yeah. mask. I've got Midna's helmet. I've got the um, garb of the winds, the the lobster shirt from yes. from Wind Waker. Um, yeah, I've I've got got a few bits going on now. Still yeah. trying to find a, a few more bits, and in in sort of process of trying to find some of those bits, I've found some more of the the normal shrines. Yeah, but it was a nice little section. I was like, ah, you know, I could really do with a few more hearts. Oh, there's just like 
football uh, bonus shrines here to do. Yeah. To to fill in a gap, and and they're right near each other, so that'll be really easy to get to. Although some some of those like the actual shrines, like ah oh, yes, you've done all the difficulty of getting into the shrine. Mm. Now you're still gonna have to battle through the in- inside of the shrine or yes. do the puzzles. And there's one in there where you're dumped into a room with four uh, guardians, like the mini guardians. Yeah. And you've got to like just dash around that room and and find a, a good way around it without dying with your your yeah. one hit weapon and your your no health. <laughs> and and no access to Rivali's Gale because it, like it would have just been so much easier to be able to like get some air and fly over bits of that room yeah. but no no the number of times that I died not because I'd been hit by anything but because I'd misjumped mi- misjudged <laughs> a jump and just fallen off the platform yeah yeah got there in the end though nice uh, yeah I, I'm I'm actually enjoying this I think more than the first time I played. I, Partly I, because I haven't tried to just climb mountains all the time. Yeah, uh, I I need to, as I keep saying on the show, I need to do a replay of it, but uh, definitely not until after Pokemon's out of the way. Like maybe in the start of next year, I'll have space for it in in the game playing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a bit long for us to do one as to, to play together. Maybe if we ever get to retire. I mean, I mean, like, I, I could see us maybe doing it together at some point, but it would probably have to be a bit more of a focused run. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like days and days and days and days and days. I mean, maybe it's just one we would chip away at a little maybe, bit at a time. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, and I'm probably more inclined to give that a, a, a third playthrough than, say, going back to the first one. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh my goodness. Yes. Yes, we wouldn't be anywhere without you, but God, that game is uh, obtuse. Obtuse, grueling, and unforgiving. And, and at this point, uh, you know, you kind of do have to play it with a guide because you don't have that interaction of just being able to, like, go into school or chat to friends and be like, hi, I've got to this bit. Or literally infinite time. Yeah, don't have that. Yeah. So, you kind of feel like you kind of have to play play through it with a guide for the the best experience. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What have you been playing? Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll get this one out of the way quickly because I've played a little bit of it, but like not completed it yet. Um, I've played the first two episodes of New Tales from the Borderlands, which is Tales from the Borderlands was I would say probably the best Telltale game that ever got made. Mm-hmm. Um. As someone that, like, doesn't really give a shit about Borderlands generally as a franchise, I thought that the original Tales from the Borderlands really did a good job of standing on its own without needing to know the rest of the sort of canon of that universe. Mm-hmm. Um, had a really good sense and pacing of humour, was very sweet, very endearing. Um, new Tales from the Borderlands is technically a sequel, but it's very much made to be, like, if you never played the first one, that's fine. Mm. A character from the first one shows up early in the first episode, but if you don't know that they're from the first one, that's fine. Uh, it's not made by Telltale, who oh, yeah. c- broke up, and then sort of a new company was formed with that name. This isn't by them. This is okay. just Gearbox, who make the, the, the first-person shooter yeah, yeah, yeah. Borderlands is trying to make a Telltale game. Yes. Um, episode one, I enjoyed way more than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um... I really thought that the first episode does a good job of blending 
humor and like relatable emotional uh emotion driven narratives mm-hmm. really good at building um connections between characters that make sense and really fun interpersonal dynamics that make sense as a group going on a shared adventure but also have unique distinct dynamic between like whichever pairs of characters you have interacting mm-hmm. with each other really 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 like the first episode it's got a uh, it's got a trans character it's got some I'm pretty sure you're setting up a a, a, a very interesting gay relationship there. Yay. Um, the first episode, real good. Second episode, I enjoyed, but with a lot more caveats. Um, okay. It did some really interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, without spoiling too much, having played the original Tales from the Borderlands and some other Borderlands games, there is a thing that I thought would be like the end of episode five, like where the narrative would be building to. That happens in, like, the second episode. And I'm like, that's actually a really confident move, and I'm very curious what you do with your three remaining episodes now. It it is an interesting, bold choice. I think that it's generally still well-written, enjoyable, good comedic pacing. Mm -hmm. My problem with the second episode, and I'm hoping that it's just a slightly wobbly second episode and that, like, it'll smooth itself out over three through five. Yeah is that one of the characters who I really enjoyed probably the most in episode one becomes a little one-note and flanderized oh. um, in episode two. And, like, toward the end of episode two, they they sort of break out of it a bit. Mm-hmm. But for, like, I'm going to say, like, two-thirds, three-quarters of episode two, uh, my favourite character, Fran, um, um, woman who owns a frozen yog- uh, a froyo shop, um, it... It got blown up by terrible shitty corporation. Then shitty corporation refused to pay the uh, insurance on the building to get it repaired. And then that corporation blew it up a second time. Good, angry, anti-capitalist energy from this uh, Froyo shop owner. Understandable. Um, Like three quarters of the second episode, she just gets kind of pigeonholed as I am angry and want to murder things. Right. Um, Which like is, is a lot less nuanced and layered than her characterization was in episode one that was right. a lot more interesting and like toward the toward the end of episode two they kind of pull it back and she gets some fun quips that are to do with her sort of implying that she's into bdsm and likes women and making some fun puns around that right um and like the end of the episode gave me some hope that like okay you just had someone who was like phoning it in a bit for episode two uh, for a bit of episode two but like you 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 can do other stuff with her. I want to see where that goes. Generally, still really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Just episode two was definitely a bit wobblier, but it did set up some like a really interesting narrative. Oh, I did not expect that that soon, and I am very interested to see where it goes. So. Yeah, new tales from the Borderlands. Uh, I'll probably by next week have, have finished playing through all the episodes. Tentatively interested. Hmm. Um, what about you? What have you played this week? Well, we have a big box of Everdell. We do the tableau building worker placement board game with uh, yep. adorable animals. Yep, we have all of that game now. Yes. All that exists. Yes, we do. Apart from the plastic containers for putting all the um, tokens in mm. But I don't think we needed that Because we have adorable little pastry cups. Little silicone cupcake cups Yeah. Um, so, figured we'd better start playing some of it 
Yep, that we certainly did play like three games of Everdell this weekend. We did, and I won one of them. Yay! You did. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Um. So the first game was um was very close. Yes, it was very close. But there was a feeling like as 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 much as I had tried, the first shuffle out of the box hadn't been quite enough to yeah to, to get all of the. I mean, um, that's any new. That's any. First time playing with a yeah. board game. The uh, I, I w- I'm sure I've shuffled. Oh, oh no! Oh no! Uh, oh no! We're finding nothing but buildings and no critters. And since a lot of this game revolves around like pinging one thing off another, yeah, we won't until like the final maybe thirty percent of the game. We weren't getting any synergies popping off. We hit a little seam of of of, of critters <laughs> towards the end, and it yeah. was just enough. Everything popped off at the last minute. Uh, but it was quite low scoring. Um, yeah. But but either way fun fun to get back into the the game yeah glad we played it very much enjoyed it second game we played was with the pearl brick expansion yes which is the first major expansion for the game which actually like changes big things about yeah. it you have a you have a little frog figurine that can go to special places only the frog can go little frog ambassador uh yeah to go collect pearls by doing certain things and those pearls can be used towards building some like very high point objectives yeah, big big objectives that are worth a lot of points if you can pull them off, but you do need to, as soon as you can, get that frog out and about and moving. Oh yeah, yeah. And you also have the um, oh goodness, uh, the adornments. You have two adornment cards when you start. Oh that yes. Each cost a pearl. Neither of us bought either of them. No. Oh. But uh, again, the problem I think was that neither of us got our frog ambassador. Moving out quickly, on then. our first season, yeah, which meant that like we were having to use all of our frog turns we had available just to get our big things done. Yes, and we didn't have any excess to be spending on the small things. No, because like I think both of us were just a little too slow getting our engine to the point where the frog could start. Yeah, about. I I dared not do um too much messing about with that because I could see like I was sort of lagging behind. Like, I had had plans to sort of do things. I was going to get one of my adornments. I was going to try and maybe go for uh, another pearl towards the end. And it just wasn't going to happen because, uh, like, you bought the the 25-point one. Yeah. And I was like, I cannot risk. It, it really did put you in a position of if you don't buy the 21, you you have definitely lost. Yeah. It, it forced the hand a little bit. But, like, it, it was the only sensible first thing to go for if you've got the pearls for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would definitely like to play more of that one. Um, I I think it is fascinating, and I think there is yeah. is quite a layer of depth to that I, that I didn't yeah. quite get to explore. I I definitely think that if I played that expansion again, I would really slow down and take my time with the first season to mm-hmm. like prioritize getting the frog out on 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 season one. I always think that that having a plan specifically for spring. More than any other plan you have for the rest of the game is the most vital thing you can do yeah, the whole game. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. Just like what, whatever you're doing, get some something set up that's going to be to make the absolute most of that one season. Yeah, like you can you can think about the rest later on. Like you can start thinking about the the special events, which obviously you're going to need certain critters for, or certain um, buildings for, or combinations of both. Or certain numbers of things, you absolutely need to get on those as fast as possible. Uh yeah, I really enjoyed Pearlbrook. Uh, the pearls are lovely. 
Oh, they're lovely, they're, right? They've got a lovely weight to them. I think they might be glass. They've, they're... They, they definitely feel a little heftier than a plastic component usually would. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. I think there is a great deal more to see with that. We only dealt out um, two citizen and two uh, aquatic location mm-hmm. cards. Um, we only saw the two citizens during yes. the game. And then there's like a whole remaining deck of those cards yeah, uh, for, for exploring and, and stuff to do. So plenty more to be seen. And then we skipped straight on into New Leaf, which is the most recent expansion. Yeah, this is the one with the with the trains Giants. and the, the visitors on the trains. Yeah. I think of all the modes we've played of this so far, this has been the, the, my favourite. I really like this one. Um... So, like, you know, there's a, there's a few things that this train train expansion adds, but I think possibly the most interesting is the ability to pick up passengers with additional objectives mm-hmm. that are point-scoring things that you may already have done while playing the game. Yep. Uh, and, like, there'll be two visible at any one time. You can pick up one and discard the other. Yep, which means uh, whoever gets the next one, like, that that's yep. it. If you, if you if, were both going for a thing and somebody didn't get it fast enough... You can yep. scrap both of those things you thought you were looking at because they yep. are gone. It's it it adds a real nice scramble to the end of the game of okay, what's on the table? Do I already have that or nearly have enough for it? Mm-hmm. Uh and it really changed up how I played like the final season. Yeah. Um, in that it was a lot of like, well, if I pick that card up, I would only need one card of this type and then I've got it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was. A, it was a really nice little shake-up. Yeah, it really was. Uh, we played with all of the modules for New Leaf, so we had the train tickets. Yep. Oh yeah, the train. So tickets. the train tickets. You have. You start. Everyone starts with the train ticket. You have an outbound ticket side and an inbound side, and uh, basically for the first half of the game, up until you prepared for summer, which is the the like starting the third round, you have uh, an opportunity to flip your. Uh, ticket over to the outbound side and move one of your de- already deployed workers to a different place essentially giving you a whole extra turn yeah and and i think that part of that that is um why i like new leaf so much yeah so just to quickly finish that so then after you've prepared for summer you can use the outbound ticket to bring them home again yeah or basically just move another another play person yeah. to another place and so often with Everdell, it's really got a like a, a one more turn thing. Yeah, can I squeeze just one more just thing a... in before the change of seasons? Yeah. Um, it also synergized really nicely with one of my cards that popped off when the seasons changed, where mm-hmm. it allowed me to reuse one of my workers yep. during the the change of seasons. Yep. So I could move a worker to a different place, get get its reward, and then get the reward again as the season mm-hmm, changed. Mm-hmm. And like that was a really nice way of going, I need this thing twice in a row real oh, quick. Yeah. Uh, it was a real nice, like, just shuffle the board about option. Yep. Uh, we also had the, uh, the seals in there, which allowed you to take a card from the meadow or the station and oh, reserve it to one side. Yes. So it's just like, it's off the board, but I can buy it, and I can buy it for one less resource. Yeah, like the the reserving was nice, but like I think most helpful was the uh, the ability to once per season have a thing for one one resource less than its cost. Because yep. again, that was very it's very similar to the I just I I just need one more worker somewhere before the end of the season. Yep. Just be, be, what, being able to skim one resource off of a uh, a card 
makes so much bigger of a difference than you would think. It was the first time playing Everdell, I really felt like I could just go absolutely, like, real deep and granular on my tableau. It... Like, I was putting stuff down that I would never normally dare to play. Hmm. Things like, things that were basically going to be, you, you're paying for this now, and you can remove it to make something else cheaper in future. Like, there's a lot of that sort yeah. of stuff going down. It it's that expansion really adds a lot of uh fine tuning and course correcting your build mm-hmm. options and i really like that yeah really liked it and it was i really felt like i'd made a really nice dent in my in my city or my town it was the first time i think i was happy with the 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 density of my 15 card city yeah. or should i say 16 cuz i got the the road in as well. Yeah. But then I also managed to get a farm and two harvester and gatherer sets. So there was just so many things in my city. Yeah, and it was it, it was, was the score difference still wasn't huge. Yeah, it was a it was a beautiful game. It was mm-hmm. delightful. Yeah, I think of all of them so far that is that that is my favourite one. Um yeah, I am very much looking forward to playing more Everdell, because that is a beautiful, charming game, and the the art is beautiful, and d- despite all of its cuteness, it is still deeply strat- strategic and a real mind melter. Yep. Like, because you, you've got your sort of early, like, okay, I need a basic plan, I'm gonna, gonna get myself going, and then you get to the end of, 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 uh, of winter and you prepare for spring, and spring is is a little bit more movement, and then you've got summer. Obviously, you've got your 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 ticket back to to use for another option there. And by the time you're down to the last turn of winter, you're just going, "What is the perfect turn?" And you can kind of work towards having that yeah. perfect turn at the end, where everything just pops off, or even realizing that actually you can keep going for much longer than you thought you could, with no more no more workers to put out. Yeah, like yeah, oh, it's so good. It is is a good, good crunchy game. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? What have you played? Uh, I'm going to briefly talk about a thing I did at the weekend uh, over at uh, uh, MCM Comic Con. Um, I I feel like this should go in the played section, but I have a mild conspiracy theory. Oh, so I went to a little workshop that was going on. Oh uh, yes, at, at the um, uh, I've forgotten what the Gunpla. Comp- Yes, uh, Bandai. The, yeah, Bandai Namco. Uh, the, the, they were doing a little gu- Gundam workshop, and there was like, "Hey, here's a little box with a little, with a little, a little mini Gundam. Yeah. Hit, sit for half an hour and make a Gundam." Yeah. Um, and I have a conspiracy about the Gundam workshop kit. Mm. Um, whenever I make Gundam kits, I have a little pair of like uh, clippers. They're flat on one side. Um, for like clipping off the the rough plastic yeah. edges. Getting your screws. Um, get them off yeah. the screws. Because like when you take all the pieces, the the pieces of the robot that you're gonna make off of the big sheet that they're all on, mm-hmm. they never come off cleanly. They always come off with rough edges that you've got to clip off. Otherwise, they're not gonna neatly fit together when you make the final build. Mm-hmm. This is not true for the workshop kit. No, the workshop kit. Um, requires no glue, no tools. I mean, in theory, regular Gundam requires no glue, no tools, uh, they advertise. But uh, yeah, and this was not just me. I was sat with another experienced Gundam person who made the same observation. Every single piece came off of the, the board of pieces completely perfectly. Just push them off by hand. Not that tricky to do. Didn't have to do the, like, rotate them in circles no to, to get them to come off. No little spruces still on the end that would stop the pieces just connecting together properly. Just 
no, no, no. That's the thing. It wasn't like they were fo- like you know, you had to put a little bit, like a, a little bit of force, and they came out cleanly. Where is this tech in regular Gundams? <laughs> you have the tech, and I feel like you're using the tech exclusively for the uh, the workshop to kit. To lure the one, them in. The one that you're trying to use to lure them in. Is it a cost-saving issue? Is it cheaper to have to have them with spruces on? It does requiring the little clippers make the people making them feel like they're doing more work and it's to make them feel like they're, they're bigger, smarter people? Mm-hmm. There's a conspiracy. You've, you've got the smooth tech... Give us the smooth... Give me the smooth tech. Give me the smooth Gundam. That's that's what I did at the weekend. Yeah. Um, I made a very small little Gundam in half an hour. That's a good Gundam. Yeah. We need to put it on the shelf. We do. I need to I need to, I need need to. to make a little TikTok about the conspiracy first, and then it can go on okay. the shelf. Yeah. What about you? Did you play anything else this week? I started building the Lego Optimus Prime. Yeah. It is legs. It is legs. It's... And boy, boy, those legs are dense. It, it sure is some dense legs, and also, I guess, a waist? Uh, like, yeah, like I, built, I, built, I built a torso. Yeah. And hips. Yeah. And the, the, that rotates, and pretty much you can turn it into a truck and go, yeah, I can see how that is a truck. Uh, we, we sort of glossed over this for a second there. This is a Lego Optimus Prime that can transform. Yes. It is a Lego Transformer that can transform. Yes. It's fucking wild, and 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 I streamed it. Therefore, it's it's a tax tax rail. I mean, you're talking about it here, tax rail. <laughs> yeah, I'm now reviewing it. I'm having a lot of fun with it, but also, I did not. And and like I've built big kits before. Like the the Millennium Falcon was what m- most of a day. I think I spent yeah, building that, yeah. and that was that was a great little project to work on. I've I did like nearly a three hour stream. And I had completed the, the torso and the legs. And the legs were almost entirely solid plastic. Yep. Like, you could club someone to death with those legs. Yeah, you could. <laughs> dense um, lad, dense lad. I assume it's so that he can, like, stand up and be displayed. Yeah. Which, oh, better than that robot. The, the remote control Optimus Prime robot. I'll get onto him in a second. Okay. Um, in fact, I will get on him in, in Watched. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's, it's a very cool kit. I'm not sure it's worth the RRP. How, uh, but how, I always how think R are that P? The RRP, I think, is £150. <laughs> and, uh, I did not pay that for it. <laughs> no. No. Um, it's, it's a lovely kit. It's, it's looking really good. I am, I have heard from reviewers that one of the stickers in the manual is telling you to put them on upside down compared to the G1 cartoon. Ah. So I have put the stickers on upside down and I compared it to my Earthrise Optimus and I was like, y- you know, I think they're right. I think those le- those like stickers are upside down. Uh, is that going to be re- re- right-side-upable? Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> you, so it's it's just a, a single grey plate that you put a sticker on and you can... Oh, that's... You could, you could flip it up the other way. Oh, that's but, not too bad, though. But I was like, no, I'm going to put the stickers on upside down because I I believe this is correct. <laughs> um, yeah, and weirdly, I'm not a huge fan of Optimus. Yeah, of of all the Transformers, I I like the I like the purple ones, yeah. and I really like Soundwave. I, basically, my love for Transformers is ones with faceplates. Yes, like I like them to have the weird, slightly masked look. Yeah, so I do like Optimus's head sculpts. Yeah. I do like Ultra Magnus's tiny head rather than his armored head, 
and I like fucking love Soundwave. Yeah. I think it was something about Soundwave's funky voice. Um, yeah. I, I guess it's probably a vocoder. Mm. Um, that that from the cartoon series that just made me fall in love. I know he's a bad guy, but I can change him into a tape recorder. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a fun kit. It's bigger than expected. I'm not entirely sure where I'm going to put it when I'm finished building it. Ah, we'll work it out. We'll, we'll work it out. It might go probably on, on top of the, the cabinet. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that's that's our next place, our, our next shelf uh, e- we'll, exploration we'll find for, space for our at robo some friends. Point. <laughs> so many robo friends. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I've really enjoyed that kit so far. And it has taken every ounce of personal responsibility and strength to not just build the rest of it off stream. Because <laughs> I was like, well, I've streamed it now and I'm going to upload this to my YouTube channel eventually. But that means I have to save it for a week. There's <laughs> a reason I don't make Gundams on stream. <laughs> I was pushing it. Like, it, that, that stream got re- like considerably later than I usually stream for. Yeah. And I was like, I... I, firstly, I can't keep talking. Secondly, my uh, ADHD meds wore off and my brain is turning to absolute mush. Ah, yes, you've reached the loopy time. I reached loopy time like 10 minutes into the stream. Yeah, this this is the experience <laughs> I was having when I started on titration. It was always, I've just started streaming, I'm 10 minutes in. Oh no, where'd my brain go? My brain has turned to goo. <laughs> Messaging back to the titration team Hey, uh, I need help My brain stops working at 8 o'clock yeah. And I start streaming at 7.30 Ah yeah. uh, Twitch.tv slash Janiac Come see me on Thursday <laughs> If if you're a, uh, a Patreon supporter of, of $10 or a month uh, A month or above You will still have time to come see me Otherwise, you know Maybe, maybe come see me anyway uh, Laura, what have you, what have you played with? I mean, the other the other thing I've been playing, really, mm-hmm. if we don't mind the early version of this going up a little late. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I've been playing some God of War Ragnarok. Uh, You've been playing Redacted? Yeah, Redacted. I've been playing God of War Ragnarok. Um, yeah, so I, I've been squeezing as much of this in as I, as I can, because I got this fairly late in the... Well, we're recording this on Tuesday. I've had, like two-ish full days to, to sit and play it. Yeah. Uh, fundamentally, it feels like more God of War, like the 2018 God of War reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that isn't a bad thing. That was a very that was a very satisfying, very pretty game. This is a very satisfying to play, very pretty game. It is, once again, a big, a big action game. Do, do big hitties, cinematic murders. The boy is there to help with his, his arrow while you go, boy, boy. Um, that of boy, yeah. Um, narratively, uh, it wastes no fucking time with getting to its core premise. Mm-hmm. Um, the I mean, look, I don't think this is a spoiler to say because it's the fucking title of the game. Ragnarok is coming. It's a bi- it's a big end times event, and right at the start of the game, they're like, "Hey, hey, hey!" So Ragnarok's coming, and maybe, maybe we should. Involve ourselves in trying to prevent that. Maybe we mm-hmm. should do something about it. Yeah, just guess. Um, I really like the characterization of some of the new uh, gods that you get to interact with. Yes. Um, some of them 
had been mentioned previously, uh, had been acknowledged, or maybe you'd seen them briefly, but you get to properly interact with them now, and mm -hmm. very fun characterization. Um, some really fun boss fights uh, mm. that are a lot more like self-aware and uh, creative than I anticipated them being. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that I've really been focusing on most, because like I haven't had time to finish the game at this point, but the thing I've I've been focusing on mo most with my time so far has been accessibility settings. And hey, uh, go go look on the Laura K Buzz YouTube channel to go watch the full twenty plus minute long accessibility episode about this. Oh yeah, um, uh, twenty one minutes and one second. Yeah, Jane did an amazing job editing mm. this uh, on on her admittedly a fairly tight deadline. Mm. Um, yeah, that, so this game, like, doesn't quite replace The Last of Us Part 1 as my, like, benchmark I would point to as, like, the, the most complete example of, like, a game that is doing the most things correct with accessibility, but it's not fucking far off, mm -hmm. and it is an incredible leap for, uh, the God of War series, which, I went back and looked at the original 2018 God of War's accessibility stuff recently, it barely has controller remapping and very small, like the biggest size of subtitles is very small and you can maybe change some of the audio sliders. Like, that's about it. Uh, whereas we've now leapt forward to um, high contrast mode support, though I'll talk about the execution of that in a second. Um, things like uh, navigation assists, uh, on create a screen controller that will sort of show your button inputs to make so that you have visual confirmation of what you've been hitting. Um, uh, various presets for different kinds of disabilities that really nicely come in different degrees of presets. So you're like, hey, do you need the motor preset? What you about some the sum motor preset or the full motor preset? Uh, uh, then which, you can go and fiddle with it. Yeah, which is like a step above uh, what The Last of Us has done. Uh, accessibility presets is just a menu option on the main menu. Again, a thing that The Last of Us hasn't done. That's great. Um, a really nice guided uh, setup option where you can either, you know, if you don't need accessibility stuff, just basically skim straight to the, the starting menu. But if you need accessibility stuff, it'll walk you through that. And it's just like a really clear binary choice at the start for setup. That's mm -hmm. really nice. Like My main problems come from the fact that uh, uh, tr uh, navigation assistance exists, but it's not as feature complete as it was in something like The Last of Us, and that's a very high bar to be comparing to. Where The Last of Us um, uses traversal assistance to really do a good job of being able to help uh, sightless or very low vision players navigate, mm -hmm. this is not nearly as good. Um, it doesn't... It, if you click the right stick to be pointed in a direction and then start walking, it won't tell you when you've walked far enough in that direction and need to reorient. Mm. It's also not as good at pathfinding, so you can occasionally get kind of stuck on stuff if you're relying purely on that to traverse. Uh, high contrast mode, not super easy to see. Uh, the high contrast models aren't independently lit of the lighting of the scene, which sometimes makes supposedly high contrast character models pretty tricky to spot. Yeah. Um... But, like, those are, those are the biggest accessibility, like, hurdles I would suggest exist. It's still, like, it's definitely up there in the upper echelons of, like, video games that are doing better than 99% of this industry in terms of, like, offering a really robust, uh, well-thought-through set of accessibility settings. Mm -hmm. That's really nice. 
Um, there's a limit to how much I can say about God of War Ragnarok generally, because I, uh, you know, even at review period, there is a lot of embargoes around spoilers, and I am trying to be better safe than sorry about mm-hmm. what I talk about uh, at the second. But what I will say is I've really enjoyed so far the character development for Atreus. I think that there have been some really nice bits of character growth between Kratos and Atreus and their their growing relationship. And specifically with Atreus being a teenager who has a parent who is trying their very best to keep them safe, but is maybe uh, holding on a little too tight. And also has anger issues. And Yeah, has anger issues and also is not giving them much room to make their own choices because they don't want to risk losing them. But obviously that's, you know, teenagers don't respond well to that. No. Um, and I think that that is a really neat dynamic to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really enjoy this this video game. It's very good. Yeah. And I'm going to do my very best to finish it. Uh, before Pokemon happens. Uh, what about you? Have you played anything else this week? That's pretty much it, really. Well then, time for this. The device is ready, Master. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Now, run run me through the plan again. Let's make sure we've got this really, really down. Well, your sinister plan, Master, is to uh, overload the world, I understand. To bring us, uh, yes. uh, you said you were going to bring your own kind of balance to the world, Master. Well, yes, yes, yes. I, 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 I still think that was a good plan. I think that, uh, you know, if, if the world is, is, is uh, as overrun as it is with evil and fascism and all sorts of darkness, I think that the only way we can bring balance to the world is to try and sort of balance that out with some cuteness. So we first up, we've we've got the we've got the duck duck generating laser. Are we ready to start firing off the duck laser? Yes, master. I've hacked into the uh, Starlink uh, satellite system, and we are uh, able to fire somewhere in the region of a thousand ducks per minute down onto the planet's surface. Wonderful. And the capybara mist. Uh, well, the the capybara mist is being uh, airdropped from planes all around the planet at the moment, and we uh, predict, according to our uh, models, that they will, within the next uh, six hours, start to uh, condense into little clouds of, of brown fur, and then they will become uh, capybaras, sir. Wonderful, wonderful. I, 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 look, soon, soon my master plan shall come to fruition, and either the cuteness shall balance out the evil, or the ducks will start eating the fascists. And either way, I think we will have achieved the goal. I mean, I'm very happy if all the, all the fascists got eaten by the ducks. Although that might scare the children. I do like ducks, though. Uh, how scary could ducks be? Oh, I've got so many duck bites from where I was trying to set up the lasers. They are very cute, though. Right, right. Uh, we need to do, we need to get the criteria and the planning sorted of how we're going to get all these ADHD assessments done. I mean, there seems to be more coming in by the bloody day. Exactly. So it's a good time to just sort of wipe the wipe wipe the whole uh, whole system clean. And we're just right. like right from the start. We're going to try and 
uh, create this system in a way that's going to be efficient and that's going to, to going to be a smooth process for the people with ADHD. Right. So uh, here's 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 what I'm what I'm thinking. Um, uh, we send emails at random hours of the day that yep. if you don't respond to quickly, if you forget to respond to them, we will kick you off the list. You'll have to start again. Oh, that's good. We can get them off the list real, really quickly. I mean, yeah. I mean that's just going to get through the list quicker, you know? Right, right, uh, yeah, right. I mean, look, if, if, if they can't remember to, to do a thing that, that pops up at random, yeah. uh, they clearly don't want it that much. Okay, well, well what about the whole, uh, like, the pre-assessment before they even, you know, get to the, to the full thing? What if we made it... Six different forms that were over a hundred pages each. Ah, I mean, what if, what if in particular, yeah, yeah, several of the questions on those were the same question asked over and over and over to just really, really, really make it as boring as possible. Well, you're boring and uh, you know just difficult for the ADHD brain to handle. Exactly, just tedious and and hard to focus on. Yeah, um, so they just give up. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so. From there, we've got that uh, medica- medication. Right, You've got yes. to remember to take it every day. Right, well, it's a highly addictive medication, so they shouldn't have a problem with that, right? Exactly, exactly. They're definitely, definitely not going to forget to take their medication. Uh, is that a thing that... Oh. Uh, uh, wait, wait. Uh, well, okay, okay. But it's not our problem. Okay, um... Uh, lastly, lastly. Right. Uh, it's a controlled, is a controlled substance, obviously. Yes, so, yeah, the medication, yeah. so... Yes. Um, can't let them have more than 30 days of it at a time, obviously. But we also... Can't let them pick it up early if they happen to be ready for it. Oh, because no, no, it's, it's a controlled, controlled substance. substance. Too much, yeah. well, we can't so, let them just running around with jumps. So I, I think what's going to happen is uh, exactly on the day you run out, you've got to remember to go and get more. And if you don't remember, you then won't have medication and will then have to remember to go back and get it at a later point unmedicated. Oh, that's very good. That that's very good. That right, right. I think I think it's a foolproof plan. I think the people at ADHD will have no trouble with any of it. Absolutely, you're a bloody genius. Oh, thank you, thank you. So, huh, what have you put in your eyes? What have I put in my eyes? I'm having a scroll, seeing what I can find. Um, oh, I watched a thing uh, that TikTok had been showing me clips of for a little bit. I watched uh, I watched a clip of an episode of The Simpsons that was a Death Note parody called Death Tome. Um, I I genuinely kind of like this, and I found it kind of I found it interesting, and I've been mulling over this weird Death Note parody hmm. for reasons I didn't anticipate. Um, it is animated by the studio that originally animated Death Note, and it okay. it, it honestly looks really gorgeous, and they don't shy away from. Lisa, who is our Light Yagami um, stand-in, killing people. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by that. Um, Weirdly, the thing this keeps making me think about is the Death Note musical uh, from several years ago. Because it's the second adaptation of Death Note in the last, I'm going to say, five years to explicitly sort of rewrite Light Yagami as a character to have a more empathetic um starting motivation mm-hmm. and very specifically to have that starting motivation be anti-capitalist in nature Yay. um if any of you aren't aware of the death note musical um it's it it opens with a musical number called where is the justice which is explicitly a song about light being in a i think it's implied to be a university class rather than high school um debating um legal ethics with a university professor and Mm -hmm. very explicitly being like look in theory we're all supposed to be equally protected by the legal system but 
where is where is that justice when you know uh, politicians, celebrities, people who just have a lot of money can pay for better lawyers mm-hmm. who can find loopholes who can help them to avoid facing consequences for criminal actions yeah. uh, in ways that are not afforded to people who are poor. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't re- in, in Death Note the Musical, it doesn't really have much of an ongoing impact on the rest of the narrative. It's just there as a kind of attempt to make light a, a little different from the original source material in the anime where he by the end of the first episode, has already gone, I killed to protect someone, I killed to protect someone, actually I quite love this, I'm going to rid the world of vermin, all crime will be gone. And like, it's... like It's quite an escalation. It's quite an escalation, and like, if you watch that first episode of Death Note looking for it, um, Light expresses zero political opinions, other Mm. than crime, as a blanket thing, is bad, criminals are vermin and must be eradicated. Ah. And like, you can see where that could be bad um but like death note the musical like tries to stem that you know at at, at the forefront mm-hmm. by presenting light as like explicitly um anti-capitalist anti-corporate mm-hmm. the death note simpsons parody t- death tome weirdly does the same thing it it it's opening title crawl rather than being about like news reports of uh violent crime going on is about things like um factory farming uh the uh, gender reveal party industry exploding things and causing huge wildfires um you know very explicitly and like very focused on global warming um that is lisa's whole thing i mean that's the thing it it totally works for the character and like they don't shy away from her kill like doing killings like the the very first killing she does is very much uh following the template of of the original death note Someone is going to do a violent crime, in this case, holding an internet meme cat at at gunpoint, uh, and she does kill someone to protect internet meme cat. But after that, entirely her motivation becomes about killing um, corporate CEOs who are responsible for global warming. Right. Um, Mr. Burns has a business that is explicitly trying to melt the polar ice caps so that he can park his yacht next to his house more easily okay uh, despite the fact it's going to flood so many communities yes so lisa kills mr burns Good. um and th- uh, uh, the shinigami points out look that's one ceo there's an entire board of directors who will continue doing that work and will continue knowfully and willingly like okay well they're melting next. the ice caps <laughs> so they're next and like the whole episode <laughs> is about lisa killing off this entire board of directors Yay. to try and stop global warming um, it kind of ends a little abruptly. You you get a a parody of the um. Do you remember that early scene where Light and Ella are having the back and forth about like, uh, Elle is on TV going, I know that you're killing people, and like puts out the challenge, and Light's like, ah, oh, I'm gonna try and kill Elle. Uh, that little exchange happens. Um, and I won't sort of spoil how it how it wraps up. It's it's a it is a fun little parody that like. It Everything is, they could squeeze into twenty minutes. It's it's not that it's seven minutes. I I'd oh, been, wow. I thought I'd been told it was twenty, but no, it, they wedged this into seven minutes. Wow. Um, like and yeah, you you I can excuse the very abrupt the very abrupt yeah. ending given it's seven minutes. I was genuinely really impressed at how much of the core of Death Note they managed to represent, how much they managed to sort of reshape it to fit Lisa as a character. 
and how they managed to relatively okay for family viewing make a rushed uh, narrative about about mass murdering corporate CEOs. Okay. So given that the the uh the the criteria are managed to squeeze something big into something small. <laughs> yes. And uh managed to make it relatively family friendly. Yeah. And managed to make it kind of differently but yeah. with with some of the same things involved. Is it better or worse than the Avatar the Last Airbender movie? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so much better. <laughs> Infinitely better. I would rather watch this any day than... Th- look, this was seven minutes long and it was largely very good as opposed to 90 minutes of a lot of not great. Uh, yeah, no, like, this This is genuinely, like, I was I was really pretty impressed with it. I, I, it didn't, sh- it, it, it didn't shy away from the violence of that's sort of necessitated by that narrative. Yay. Even if it did uh, yeah, even if the ending is a little bit we're not we're not gonna quite go like Yagami being caught and like being being shot and go and like going to hell. Okay. We're not gonna quite go there, but Yeah. It was pretty fun. Yeah. What about you? What have you watched? Uh well I wanna go back to Optimus Prime stuff. So, right next to the Bandai stands, <laughs> yeah, with the was the Robson stands. They had the uh I was going to say remote control, but it's not entirely remote control. The robotic Optimus Prime. Now, this, do you know how much this thing costs? I don't know how much this it's thing costs. It's a grand. Fucking <laughs> I, I've seen videos about this thing. I would have said, like, oh, like, 200 quid at, like, an expensive top end. And weirdly, I thought that as well, because my my experience of something like this is I worked in a model shop for eight years, and, like, for a couple of Christmases, the most important thing was Robo Sapien. Yeah. And it's it does that whole looks-like-it-shit-itself walk... <laughs> And it does you bum wiggle. Yeah, it does the like the dabbing poses and a few action poses. It's got some accessories it can hold. I suppose the big thing is the fact that it does in fact transform into into the truck. Uh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay. I did not think this thing was going to be a grand though. But I mean, but I found out some other things about it. I, I was going to say like you're paying a grand to not have the fun of getting to transform it yourself. This is an argument a few of the reviewers have made I, about it. That's sort of how I feel about it. But tell me what else you learned so, about so it. We, so we watched it. They had like three or four of them at the show, like actually being demonstrated. They were had like having like kids come and do press-up challenges with Optimus Prime because it will drop and do press-ups, which is, I suppose, kind of impressive. Um, mm. Apparently, like a lot of it is voice-controlled. But also there is an app that you can have on your phone. Probably because the voice controls are in... No, in fact, the app has... Uh, pro- so you can pro- like set programs of arm move this this many degrees and it uses almost... Uh, do you know Scratch, the programming oh, language? yeah. It uses that kind of programming language to like okay. move all the joints around. Um, and it's even in those little, little colourful blocks to do that sort huh, of thing. Okay. And you can do custom things. And you, in an almost Mario Maker esque way, you can upload your your things to to the cloud, and then you can download other people's. And some of those don't actually work very well. <laughs> like an example I saw was uh, was like trying to do like 
karate style actions. <laughs> and at one point he thrusts both fists forward and just falls <laughs> <laughs> just falls on his ass. Uh, apparently, I didn't see a lot of this at the show, but apparently it glitches and bugs out quite a lot. Okay. Like, oh, my, my wheel is stuck. But yeah. it's not saying my wheel is stuck, it's the robot's wheel is stuck. Oh. So it, the rest of the time it's Peter Cullen's voice as Optimus Prime, but then you just get this weird, uh, like, vocoder femme voice that's just like, the wheel is stuck, reset to start again. <laughs> and, but the, the thing that confused me, so yes, as I agree 100%, it does the transforming for you. You can't play with it. Because it's it's you're not really yeah. supposed to like twist it too much. You can't stand it up for display either. You can't stand it up. No, for no, no. Surely that's one of its two modes: is transformed into standing up. No, you can have it turned on and standing up. At which point <gasps> it will occasionally do little poses. If if you want to leave it on standby, like in a, in a in a in a in a stopped mode. You either have turn it off and it ragdolls, or no. it goes into a weird little kneeling position, which is what it was doing in the cabinet at the Hasbro Pulse stand. No. Yeah. So you couldn't oh. just put it in the cabinet and have it, like, displayed. <laughs> it doesn't do that. Um, that I, I need to find who did the review, because I watched this... Having come back from MCM, being like, yeah, you know what, I'm I'm just curious to know more about this product slash toy. <laughs> okay, it's Thu Adams on YouTube. The Robeson flag flagship auto-transforming Optimus Prime review. It, he absolutely slates it. As well he should, it sounds like. And, and goes into this wonderful thing at the end about, I don't know who this is for, and I... Don't think I would get on with the kind of people who could afford to buy this. Yeah. Like, given given the state of the world we live in, this is this is what you're using the robotics for, really. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't find some way of m making things better. I, and and we're in a cost of living crisis. I, I, I don't know who this. The only reason I have this is because I accepted it for review. Yeah. <laughs> Just like. Y yeah, who is this for? Because it's not for people like me and most of the people in in the Transformers side of my Discord who want to play with their the the cool bots, or at least display their cool bots in standing poses that they can decide. Yeah, Do you, I don't know if you saw. They also have a a trailer. They've released a trailer for it that transforms. I would have thought it in involved a trailer. No, you had to buy that separate separately. You have to buy that separately and, from and the already really... a thousand fucking dollar yep. robot. Yep. You, you have to buy that separately because that only came at great public interest in, hey, w you should probably do the trailer for it if you're going to do the Optimus. I think the people who had great interest in it didn't know how much it fucking cost. <laughs> Oh. Um, and like all of these robot things, it's oh. noisy as fuck. My brain is melting. Oh no! Um, Let's talk, to stop talking about the bad robot. Uh, tell us about a thing you you have seen. Uh, I watched a couple of interesting things on YouTube this week. Yes. Um, I watched a video called "Game Freak Accidentally Saved the Ice Type" uh, on the YouTube channel Bonus Wolf. Uh, 
This is a video about the uh, the upcoming terrestrial mechanic in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, mm -hmm. and in short, how it functions in a way that may make ice types competitively viable in a way they've not really been in a very long time. Um, the short version, contrary to popular assumption prior to previews, it seems like uh, this new mechanic in, in, in the new Pokemon games will essentially, like, it'll change your your Pokemon's type in terms of um, what new moves they can do that will be, like, more powerful as if, like, you know, they were that type. It'll change what you're weak against, but it won't take away the, uh, the strength of the moves that you would already be strong with. Mm. Ice-type moves are really strong offensively, but ice-types have a lot of weaknesses. The argument being that this seems like it's going to allow ice-types to continue doing strong ice-type attacks while changing their weaknesses to uh, a different type that is less likely to get them absolutely, you know, destroyed as a glass cannon. Um, this was from someone who has previously been a, a Pokemon uh, tournament-level doubles world champion. Uh, going through a bunch of like the ice type, like the more popular ice types in competitive, and going, this is like you could try maybe changing this one to this type. It would gain access to stab damage on these moves. It would lose these resistances. It was a very interesting video. Mm -hmm. What about you? What are you? What are you watched? Uh, well, we've talked about the uh, Toy Galaxy channel on this show before. They yeah. they yeah. do like breakdowns of. Popular toys, usually from the 80s and 90s, uh, like action figures or like uh, TV series. They've done stuff about like G.I. Joe and He-Man and pr pretty much anything you can think of from that sort of era. They've done like a breakdown about the the show, the toys, possibly any comic books. Yeah. And like just a, a history of those things. So they have a, a, a second channel. Um, I think it's the second channel. It's hard to tell these days. Because they've changed some of their branding recently. So the Secret Galaxy channel, which is basically all the same people as far as I can tell, uh, for ha their Halloween special this year, did The Rise and Fall of Twin Peaks. Ooh. And you can tell the the person who made it, uh, a guy called Greg apparently, who is like behind the scenes on that show, really fucking loves Twin Peaks. I mean... <laughs> You really have to really love Twin Peaks to get into making video essay content about it at this point in time. Yeah, because it isn't even really about the return. It's just about the first two seasons. Yeah. Um, they briefly touch on the uh, the books that Mark Frost wrote, mm -hmm. uh, but not even the final dossier. I think just the uh, the the whatever the one was before that. I've only listened to the audiobook. I've not read the book itself, which is weird for a book that is primarily pictures and and breakdowns yeah. of those pictures. Um but yeah, it is beautifully shot. The knockoff music they use is amazing, like cuz it's all like what if we boot like this? It's 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 definitely legally distinct from Twin Peaks, but you can tell like everything about it. The shots are amazing. Uh just just the, the lighting and, and the set design they did for it, they did an amazing job making it feel like Twin Peaks and, and just having a fun uh, breakdown about the first two seasons. 
even after all the things I've watched on the subject of Twin Peaks, there were still a few things that I had not previously known. So that was fun. And um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that as I think it's like 20 minutes long. And I think they did a good job. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it's 35 minutes long. There you go. Uh, it's, it's not the like four plus hour long uh, one that we watched however long ago. Oh, have you seen that yet? Yeah. Oh, you did watch it in the end? Yeah, yeah, we talked about it at the time. Yeah, but you said you hadn't watched it. I, I did then later watch it and we oh, talked okay. about it, I think. No. I think we talked you about it. You said you weren't ready to watch it and you said you were never going to watch it. You, you weren't sure when you were going to watch it and we haven't talked about it since. Oh, I have watched it. Oh, okay. I, I apologise. I thought I had told you this. Okay, well then I am ready, ready to have some conversations. I thought, I thought I made you aware of it I'm very ready to have some conversations about about this at some point then. Yay. Um, ooh. Uh, that's, that's, that's the thing I watched. Tell us about the thing you watched. I know I watched at least one other thing. Mm. Let me find what did I watch. Um, oh, I think we both watched this uh, over dinner one night. Uh, uh, the the what happened video about Dante's Inferno oh, on yes. the uh, Matt McMuscles YouTube channel. Yes. Um, fascinating little insight into the development of a game that, for some reason, was uh, loosely themed around a uh, a piece of sort of. Uh, philosophical poetry almost turned into a 3D character action game about yes. murdering creatures in hell and yes. the development cycle and marketing cycle of that game. Yeah. I, I was aware of the marketing cycle around that game but it's always fun to be reminded of exactly the uh, depths they went to with the oh it's the lust bit of the campaign Go film yourself doing unconsensual sex acts with booth babes to win a night with one of them. Here's 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 some here's here's a check being sent to games journalists to see if they're greedy taking bribes. Yeah, like, that whole thing was a lot. Yeah, sounds oh, like yeah, the, it. The, the, I knew nothing about this game. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> yes, the the wrath bit of the promotional campaign where they sent out boxes that started making music and wouldn't stop, and then would mock you if you broke them trying to stop the you've music. You've done a out. wrath. Oh, you've done a wrath. Ooh. All all for a kind of mediocre God of War clone. Yeah, that that has very little to to do with. I mean, Dante's it's set comedy. in hell. Y y y it's yes, in hell. But it's it's not ripping off the 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 game designers. Um, it's in hell. What more do you want from the Divine Comedy? It's in hell. Political commentary? No. <laughs> Political commentary. These fists. Oh, oh all right then. <laughs> I will. <laughs> you there, fists. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, if if you're unaware of the nonsense about that game's existence, go watch that video. It is a good, concise, amusing uh, recap of everything that went down. Mm. Uh, what about you? You watched anything else this week? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we we watched. We've sort of skimmed across it. We we went to MCM London Comic Con again. We saw lots of of amazing outfits and costumes. We did indeed. Saw some very good ones. I saw several of those Chainsaw Mans. Ah, uh, yes, Chainsaw Man. The, the, some good costumes He's there. He's a man covered in chainsaws. He is a man just has a lot of chainsaws in. And we had a fun conversation about what the fuck that was all about. Yeah, what, 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 is, what is this uh, this chainsaw 
guy I keep seeing. Him. This oh, man who is chainsaws. Yeah, chainsaw guy. <laughs> uh, with the uh, the Pokeball. Oh yes, I did have to explain to you, Pokeball guy. Yes. Uh, yeah, there was. Uh, <laughs> oh, as always, amazing cosplays from everyone. Uh, there was a very adorable Mimikyu there. Yeah, it was you, me. <laughs> and I was I I was Laverne in disguise as a tentacle again because I spent a lot of time on that costume. I'm gonna wear it to death. Yeah, and slightly improve it every time. To confirm, that's that's what you saw, right? Yes. Roughly, yeah, that's yep. Pokeball guy. Yep, Sword and Shield. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're the Pokemon expert. Tell me what this clearly a man with a Pokemon for it. Well, what you friend. said was, is there a kind of Pokeball with eyes on it? And did it I? did take, yeah. I apologize. And I was trying to think of Pokeball types. It took me a, a minute to go, oh, with a... <laughs> Not Voltorb. Oh, with a smiley face as well. Okay, yeah. Yes. Sorry. I, yeah, I didn't even consider Voltorb, might have been what you meant. <laughs> no, I, I zeroed in on Pokeball guy real quick. You did, you got there. You know what I meant. Yeah. Because you're... Clearly your brain went, she knows who Voltorb is. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, lots of amazing uh, people to see, lots of amazing uh, costumes, and so there were some good panels. I got to go and stare lovingly at various Transformers, and <laughs> many of which they're like, yeah, you can just pre-order them on the website. You fucking can't, they're sold out. And they're not even out yet. Just make more of them. Don't Urgh. lie to me. Uh, the, I saw the very bizarre choice of making a holiday-themed Optimus Prime. Uh, oh, yes, the, the candy the stripes. candy canes, yes. The, like, they didn't show you the, the robot mode for that. They just had the, the yeah. truck out in a cabinet. So I was like, I guess that is a weird candy stripe truck that's an Optimus Prime mold we've never seen before. Yeah. And here is all the things I sort of considered but couldn't afford in time, and now they're sold out. Uh, yeah, what else? Uh, the artist alley was wonderful yeah. as always. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I got, I got Steffi UDP gift. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it, 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 yes. it is as always, it was a little bit wet. I went only on the Sunday, yeah. you went Friday and Sunday. Yeah. It was mildly damp, but. Yeah. Oh. I, I miss, I miss the, um, outside, outside Xbox, outside extra team. Yeah. Doing Ox Ventures. I, I bumped into Ellen briefly on Friday, as we were wandering. One of these days I'll get to go and see a live Ox Venture. Yeah, one, one of these <laughs> days we will make a, make a thing of it and we'll go do it. Um, gosh, what else? Yeah, it, it was an amazing day, as always. Uh, have you watched anything else? Uh, we watched a thing together we on did. Sunday night when we got back from MCM because we wanted some low brain effort. Yeah, stuff. like I, I tr like I had been playing some more God of War Ragnarok, and then my brain was just like, I'm, I'm too tired. I can't focus. What's something no brain we can watch? What's something no brain that I can kind of pass out to, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, if I fall asleep during this, it's fine. Um, and we settled on watching Bluey. We watched a... the first seventeen episodes of season one of Bluey. Yes, a show that like TikTok. Aggressively promotes clips from this show to yeah. me, and I'm like, it seems like genuinely pretty enjoyable. And, and then I watched and... an Ed's World video about dads. Yes, that also sort of very specifically honed in on Bluey. Yeah, we had some interesting conversations about presentations of dads in cartoons on the back off the back of that video. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we we sat and watched uh, season one of Blue like a bunch of season one of Bluey. We're about halfway through. Yeah. Um. That show is really sweet. It's and really sweet and charming. It's it's, <laughs> it's genuinely like very funny in its delivery and pacing. Yeah, it's very sweet. Mm -hmm. It's got very good wholesome messaging. Yeah, 
Um, like it, it's not beating your head of like beating you over the head with the fact that it is trying to instill like positive representations of family dynamics, yeah. but it just it it does so, making it seem like it's the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah. It it we we I'm trying to think there was a, there was some really nice episodes in there. There was one about like I think Bluey was struggling to ride a bike, and her dad didn't like try and go over and teach her how to do it, but was like, we're just going to sit and watch a group of other children trying to do things they find difficult and eventually finding creative ways to do it themselves. Yeah. And Even if it's perhaps not the way you might have yeah. expected. And persisting and persevering until they could succeed by themselves. Yeah. And not going like, I won't help you if you don't ask, but also you haven't asked and, you know, I think you can do it. Yeah. I'm gonna... And not immediately rushing over to to, to step in and, and do the thing for them. Yeah, which was really nice. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what other ones there were. Um, like, there was some that touched on topics like um, uh, one one of the the, the dad not realizing he was playing a little too rough with one of yeah, the kids. Yeah, that's the one I was like, going to mention. Yeah, do you want? That yeah. was very sweet. Um, so Bingo, uh, Bluey's sister, who is a little bit younger, yeah. was like, "That you you are playing with me exactly the same as Bluey, but I it's a bit rough for me, and I am only small. But but I am, you are big and I am small, and I'm not very good at confidently asserting my boundaries yet. Yeah, and. I need help getting you to hear that, like, sometimes I just need you to be a little gentler. I love the way they talk to each other in that show. Yeah. Like, mum was like, okay, I can see that something is upsetting you. Do you want to have a conversation about it? We will go and have a conversation about it. Okay, here is the problem. Okay, we will both go and see your dad and we will say, hey, a moment of your time. We want to discuss this. And then working out a really positive way to deal with it. It weirdly, like, I, I think... Uh, there's a lot of things about this show that remind me of Bob's Burgers. Yes. In that it is a show about a family dynamic where the parents and the children are going to fuck things up and, like, they, they're going to get things wrong, and that's okay. And it's okay to acknowledge that screw-up and to grow from it mm-hmm. and to learn from it and to, to, to have conversations. Yes. And the way those two shows in very different tones achieve the same thing is, mm. is very similar. Because um, we ended up having a whole conversation about just the the way parents had been represented in various uh, yeah. sort of cartoons throughout the ages and how, like, for a lot of it, it was like Gen X wanted to blame their parents for stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and now we have, like, this, we're starting to come into an era of when, rather than punching up or down... Like having a go at our kids or having a go at our parents. What we want to do is we want to project what we'd actually like. Yeah. It's I yeah, I think like the two camps that like we, we were talking about were like the bluey slash Bob's burgers uh category where it feels like people modeling the kind of parent they want to be. Uh issues and all, but mm-hmm. like trying to be trying to be trying to be better than they are. Like I am human, um, but I want to be better. Yeah. Um or the like the only other the, the compa- other comparison I had was um Dr. Doofenshmirtz from Phineas and Ferb, which is very much a like Gen Z uh representing parent, but like in a positive I can see that they're really trying their best and like trying to trying to do good. Mm. Uh, like we, it is, it is really interesting the shift in like particularly like dads and how they've been represented in media. Yeah. But yeah, Bluey's just a very sweet show. 
that has characters having conflict and then having conversations and working it out and also being sweet and funny on the way. Yeah. And and also having just a little bit in there for the adults. Yeah. 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 But, but not in a way that um makes anyone feel stupid for not getting why their parents are smirking. Exactly. <laughs> or or sort of going, "Oh, Oh, I, I see what see what that's actually about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, this, this is a show that like my my awareness of it came mainly from the fact that like I kept getting served like later season clips of like episodes that deal with some fairly heavy themes in child appropriate mm-hmm. language. Like I know there is one at some point about um I think it's the mum's sister who cannot have biological children of her own and is struggling with. I want to be around children, I have a very nurturing energy, but being around children does remind me of the fact I can't have kids, and that's complicated emotions. Yes. Um, like, stuff like that, I'm like, that is, that is brave territory to go yeah. for. I've, I've, um, I've had a few, I think less than you, but I have had a few uh, blue clips showing up on, on TikTok, and obviously I, I spend a lot of time sitting next to you while you watch TikTok, yeah. so... Obviously, I'm getting fed this, those those same content, but yeah, like it 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 has been a really charming show, and I I look forward to, to seeing more of it. It's it's a nice new. We need some no brain something in the background. Yeah, and it's 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 been a busy year. More more no brain in the background, please. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Have you watched anything else this week? Uh, yeah, we watched something together. We did. We watched Tales of the Jedi. Yeah, a little six episode, 20 minute long little miniseries. So or, tiny. Or I guess two, three episode miniseries kind of smushed together. It's it's a three episode story about Ashoka and a three episode story about, about Count Dooku. And yeah. they don't hugely overlap. Not really, no. Um... They're done in that sort of Clone Wars animated style. It feels like a, a, a slightly upgraded version of the the Clone Wars style. It's um, it's what I imagine Clone Wars has always looked like. That sort of effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, it 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 is like there's not a huge amount of narrative in either of the stories, but I think that they both do a nice little job of slightly fleshing out who those characters are and sort of what their yeah. sort of run up to when we first meet them is. Yeah, because I've not seen Clone Wars and I've not really... I've read maybe two of the books. I've read two books in a trilogy. Yeah. And then I just was like, I'm not, not sure I have the time in my life to get to the third one. That was the uh, Aftermath trilogy. Mm. I, I listened to the audiobooks for that. Uh, f- fascinating series it seemed to be going to. Yeah, I thought the Ashoka stuff was probably less interesting, but I think because they were, they, it was trying to say so much about a character that I know so little about. Yeah. Because I feel like most of her stuff happens in Clone Wars. Yes. So we had, like, the, the literally from her birth and her first signs of, of using the Force. Yeah. We had uh, a little bit with Anakin uh, while mm. she's training to be the very best like no one ever was. <laughs> and and we had that whole thing of uh, uh, sort of just in hiding. Yeah. Uh, so that was like just like a few dotted moments ar- around yeah. there. I- and then she shows up in the Mandalorian and, and, and yeah. that's kind of what I know. 
what I felt was more interesting was the Count Dooku stuff. I was going to say, I thought the Count Dooku stuff was not only more interesting, but a more cohesively told single story. Yes. Um, it It is basically the, how did Count Dooku go from Jedi to sort of betrayal? Yes. Uh, told in essentially 60 minutes. And yes. I think they did a pretty good job of justifying, like, the steady emotional turn of, I can't just do things the way they are now. Yes, and I and I think that speaks to, like, some of the stuff we've been getting in more recent um, Star Wars things where they've been talking about, hey, the Jedi Council were not necessarily the, the greatest leaders. Yes. They, they were very stuck in their ways, very stuck in these rules and regulations, and in in some ways they weren't always doing the I mean, right thing. This is why I still want a proper grey Jedi, Jedi story yes. of going, hey, the Sith are one extreme, the Jedi are another extreme, and the Jedi have their fucking share of problems too. Yeah. There's it's no it's no like accident that the Jedi keep sort of being the catalyst for pushing people to the dark side. Yes. Because they have zero flexibility on their stances and that uh, yeah. leads to some real problems. Yeah, uh, and like, it's it's one thing to have noble ideals, but the the fact that by 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 allowing themselves to be like tied up in their own laws in in seemingly in in, in several cases, they've ended up being on the wrong side of things. Yeah, uh, like obviously the, at one point they're being used sort of as a peacekeeping force, mm. but against like. I've heard other like whole stories about the separatist army. Yeah, like, st- stuff about that is starting to float up. About like there there were serious problems with yeah. the way people were being treated, and, and yes, they weren't doing it right. And I think we're definitely starting to see more Star Wars like side stories, like you know with um with Andor right now and Rogue yeah. One, and like stuff that explores more of those like the stories outside of the the big main story. And I yeah. think like. We're getting to an era where we're going to start seeing some more of those stories of, like, the stuff around the Jedi's failings. Yeah. Like, and, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not pro-fascist or anything. Oh, God, no. I'm not agreeing with I... where Dooku went or... No. I, but I can see how he was like, hey, there is a problem with this. And, and like, for the longest time, we there's been a whole thing around Qui-Gon of being... He was a bit of a rebel. Ooh, that Qui-Gon, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But also, like, he he was supposed to be, like, some really good things. Let's put Liam Neeson out of the picture <laughs> as much as possible here. But, like, the, the fact that Qui-Gon was like, he did all the good things for the most part, and he believed in the right things, but was often, like, getting the ire of the council for a number of reasons. Yeah. And, yeah, I think I think the way to put it is, I am certainly not saying the Jedi and the uh, the Sith are equally as bad as each oh, other. No, I'm not no. interesting this I, at all. Yeah, I'm not saying the literal space Nazis and the a bit religiously strict, but like they they're aiming for the right thing, but kind of fucking yeah. up. I was not saying those yeah. are the same. No, <laughs> but there is certainly room for uh, being critical of the Jedi and finding a you know exploring that yeah. maybe. They aren't always perfect. I mean, well, let, let's talk quickly about that first Dooku episode. So he, he has been sent, or, or he has gone off his own back 
to try and find the son of a senator, is it? Or son of an ambassador? Yeah. Who has been seemingly abducted by these villagers. And yes. he and his, and his Padawan get to this village and, like, all it is around the village is burnt trees and scorched earth and these people are living in the worst of conditions and they're like, yeah, we abducted the kids because we, we, we want yeah. s- structural change and, made. And specifically, like, the kid being like, I am okay with being kidnapped. I am genuinely okay with this. If this helps these people get the change they need... Having I've, seen what this is yeah, like... I Yeah, having now seen it with my own eyes, I want to be here, I want to force my father's hand. Yes. And, and then his father comes down, turns up in a pith helmet, yep. and you're like, hmm... Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, willing to uh, absolutely murder whoever he needs to, <laughs> rather than stop and have a conversation with his son about the conditions of these people. Because he doesn't want the conditions to get any better, because he wants to, to have um, slaves and, and, yeah. and whatever and, else. And that, like, Dooku's mission, he was sent there by the council, was... I thought the yeah. point was he wasn't sent there, he was kind of there off his own back. Because doesn't some one of the characters say, like, does so-and-so know you're here? And he's like, nope. <sighs> yeah, you might be right. Oh, no, I think it's the f- the father doesn't know he's there. Yeah, that was my so thought. So it wasn't I... necessarily the Jedi Council that sent him. I don't know. Yeah. I might have missed bits there. But, but... Um, yeah, but either way that, like, yeah, he was he was told he was doing the wrong thing by trying to protect these villagers. And, like, you know, was was very much, at least after the fact, criticised by the Jedi Council for trying to... Step in and protect those people. Yeah, Pe- people who had basically nothing and were yeah. being, you know, basically living under a feudal lord who were just wanted to exploit them for as much as he could to their death. That they meant nothing to him, just just as a resource. Hmm. And then obviously the story moves on from that. Now, going to to a Sith lord or being swayed by a Sith lord, like I can see where a Sith lord got got in there and was like, yes, I can give you the power to, to empower the weak. And then just not doing that because that's how yeah. Sidious do. Like I, I can, I can see how he got to being to a point of being swayed at least away from the Jedi. If not as, yeah, I guess I joined the Sith. Yeah. I, I can see how he got to a point of, I am disillusioned with the group that I have dedicated myself to. I can't see how we got to be in Count Dooku in episode two, but shit, but, like, I, I, I mean, you know, look, I can see some progression at least of... Look, as soon as, like, you know, you're being told you're doing everything wrong by the people you idolised, and then a right-wing fascist group comes in and goes, no, 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 you're actually very good, we'll love bomb love you and bomb, support yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, like... That's how the fucking alt-right pipeline loves to operate. That is how the alt-right yeah. pipeline... But what you need then is somebody to come along and just go, Fuck you, Nazi, punch, punch, punch. Yeah. So yeah, we watched We watched that. We watched that, yeah. <laughs> um, And it was fascinating, and maybe maybe we'll get more short stories? Yeah. Have you watched anything else? I think that was it for me, really. Okay, I watched two things that I will quickly talk about. Oh. I watched the two most recent episodes of Doctor Who. One of which I didn't even know had come oh, out. Oh, um, I'm I'm aware of some stuff to do with the most recent one. I'm aware of the regeneration that happens, and that that is confusing given that we've had a next Doctor announced. That's my awareness of ah, Doctor yes, Who. that bit, right? Yes. Okay, yes. I, I'm vaguely aware of that. 
That's fair. I think that has been largely spoiled for a lot of people already, so I yeah. guess that's not a big thing. But um, something happens, and, and, it, and it isn't what's been announced. Yes. But also, considering I recently saw an interview with that person being like, hey, it is really important to me as a, uh, a, a Rwandan person to be able to be put into this thing that is so fundamentally British and yeah. is a cornerstone of British television that I am accepted to be in that. That's awesome. That is awesome. I look forward to... to I, I look forward to when you become part of the plot. I, I hope I hope you get your turn soon. I'm guessing they're probably going to do the, the festive episode my, and then... My, my understanding is we're getting six episodes. Oh, six episodes. We're getting okay. six episodes next year before it swaps over. Okay, well... But... It, it, <laughs> sure... I guess. Sure. Uh, so I watched the uh, Legend of the Sea Demon, Sea Devils. So it's a Sea Devil Lads episode. They still look kind of puppety. Uh, but I, I'm kind of glad they haven't super shied away from that whole. Uh, this is what we made the puppets look like originally. <laughs> yes. Uh, like, okay, the eyes are a bit more realistic and the, the costumes uh, look a bit more technological, but ultimately, like, that character design has stayed. And there's some interesting writing in it, some fun stuff. There is a really cool ghost ship in it. Just a weird flying ghost ship, and it looks amazing. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, ha I, I enjoyed that episode. I know a lot of people have had a problem with Chris Chibnall's writing. And I, I think he was the main writer on that, but I, I kind of enjoyed that story. Then I watched Power of the Doctor. Basically, I'd heard a lot about Power of the Doctor. I was like, fuck it, before it gets entirely spoiled for me. I enjoy yeah. a Doctor Who. Fuck the BBC. Yeah. <laughs> but there are places online you can watch these things. <laughs> oh, you definitely didn't do, because that would require a TV license. On YouTube. <laughs> people upload shit to youtube all the time i mean that that is a thing they do uh yeah so but no i no fuck iplayer <laughs> that thing's awful it was awful even when i had a tv license and i watched it legitimately yeah it's not not a good functional service it's not good no it's not good sometimes it just crashes and then loses your place i mean i don't know if they've improved it in the last decade but it's been a while but yeah, like Doctor Who is is the only thing that I I have given a fuck about, even before I stopped watching television. But mm. but yeah, it was a fascinating episode. It's like an hour and a half, so it's a a good old TV movie. And so there's been a thing a lot in the last few years of we're just gonna bring people like back from yeah. from previous stuff. Like we had the Sarah Jane Chronicles. I suppose that was probably a decade ago now. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and that was like a whole callback to, what, Tom Baker, who's, what, three, I think? Yeah. Am I? Oh, God, am I bad at this? Three or four? Wow. I used to I used to be so into Doctor Who and know so many facts. But, um, yeah, so there has been a whole thing of that. And there's been another whole thing of, for, for uh, any special episode we can... We'll get as many of the, the remaining living doctors together and and we'll we'll stick them in somehow and it'll be like a, a flashback or a mm. or or a hologram or or something or other to, to get that together. This episode particularly combined Tegan, who is uh was with Peter Davidson, and Ace who was with Sylvester McCoy. So 
I was very young when Doctor Who first went off the air. I was like nine, I think. And Ace was one of those characters who was quite formative for me as a child. Mm-hmm. Because she was a badass woman on on television. And we didn't really see quite enough of that. Like, there, there was still, because of, of reruns and, and, and television of that era... Just like a lot of 70s stuff where a lot of women were seen to be quite meek or quiet or, yeah. or loud and obnoxious. Rarely did was did women on TV get to be absolute fucking badasses. Indeed. And Ace absolutely got to do that. Um so baseball bat in hand, she's got she's got a jacket. Sophie Sophie Aldred is 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 looking good for however many years. She is old at this point, and there, there, there was a scene where she ended up talking to Sylvester McCoy as the Doctor, and I had a little cry because it was like, oh, oh my, that's that's a that's a whole thing I would never expected to have seen happen again, and I feel like maybe they've prob- they've done stuff together for Big Finish, but I have mm. fallen out of track with with Big Finish a a while ago. Uh, I there was a while when I was listening to tons of their stuff, and now I just don't have time. And I feel like there is so much content at this point that I I would could never possibly catch up with with yeah. it because you think podcasts are difficult, but like like a three hour serial, and they're bringing out more content pretty much constantly for everyone. And I'm usually willing to absorb just about any Doctor Who content there is. Um, so yeah, it was it was uh, a cool episode. Uh, interesting to see uh, certain characters returning for that, certain versions of certain things returning. Uh, a whole plot line that I completely forgotten about uh, Gallifrey and Daleks. Do you know about the Time Lord Daleks? That was a whole yeah. thing that happened a while ago. I'd completely forgotten that was the thing. I was like, why are they regenerating? And then I looked on the wiki. I was like, oh, I have seen that episode. A long time ago, and I don't think it was good enough to hold my attention, because it all seemed to have slid out of my ear. But, yeah, two good episodes, curious about that ending, and and fascinated to see more stuff. Fuck the BBC, and, and don't use iPlayer. Yeah. Yay. What, if you, what you said you watched nothing else. Yeah, I think that's it for me. Well then, <gasps> time for this. I've got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you do you do you like doing this little snuggy snug? Oh, I do. Do you like being cozy? Do you like I, being a cozy little bean? I mean, I do, particularly at this time of year when it's so cold out, and I just want to wrap up under multiple blankets and stay where it's warm. And and like especially you know since it's more expensive to put the heating on, exactly. why would you get out of the one bit yes. of the house that is warm? Stay in the place where like I've. Spent like eight hours building up body heat. Yeah, I've worked on I've, that one. They've been trapping good body heat in here. Right, I did that, but that yeah. body heat was expensive. I need to keep that all wrapped up in here. Well, what if you didn't have to 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 get out of the bed? Well, they have so many things around the house that I need to do that require me to not be in bed, though. Well, that's where our new sponsor comes in. You see, Ooh. try winterbodydouble.lol.net. <gasps> Tell me more. You can pilot this mechalite little 
you can pilot this mechanized facsimile of yourself around your home in VR. <gasps> so you don't have to get out of your warm, cozy bed on winter mornings. You can just stay in. You can do snug snugs. Oh. You can maybe go downstairs and make yourself a cup of tea and have that cup of tea in bed and just like, mmm, sip, sip, warm. I mean, I'll probably take the VR headset off to drink the cup of tea, then put it back uh, on. Maybe a little straw. Mm-hmm. Sip, sip, warm. Sip, sip, warm. Sip, sip, warm. <laughs> I mean, this does sound like a great idea. This right. is a this is a rare sponsor I'm very excited right. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you could even get your your pilot to come and and sit on the sofa and watch the TV, and and yeah. you you're just right there, virtually watching TV from the comfort of your own snuggy bed. Oh, this sounds delightful. It even has a little Hoover attachment. And it will just like lift you up at the sides and hoover any crumbs out from under you from where you've been eating spring rolls in bed. Yeah. So that's winterbodydouble.lol.net, enter the code QNPS235, and you can get 10% off the software for a winter body double. You will, I think, have to still order the body double separately. I think that's less than the robot Optimus Prime, so you're probably okay. I don't know if it does push-ups, though. I don't do push-ups, so it's it probably doesn't need to do push-ups. Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, uh, I've been brainstorming. Right. I've been brainstorming ways we can uh, try and fix our uh, public image a little bit. Right. Because, uh, you know, we love to do the whole thing where we hire people, work them to the bone fire them as soon as they're you know starting to flag and right. run out of energy yeah once we we use them up we, yeah. we we wring them out like a wet towel yeah and then we just throw them in the bin exactly but the problem is they then you know sometimes go and leave and go we got work to the bone by supremacy software and then fired after we finished all the work right supremacy so, software is very bad to us right so what you're saying is we need to work them until they're not capable of that anymore I mean, look, we can try and do that, but that's a very, that's a very fine line to walk because, like, you know, we might work them too far and, like, now they're not working and on payroll still until we get them fired. So, like, oh, no, I meant past that. Well, look, here's, here's what I was thinking. I was thinking we maybe just, uh, maybe we can logistically make it so they can't say those things about supremacy software. Right, right. So, like, so they're I'm, still under NDA. Um, I mean, you know, we can always try and make them sign an NDA that lasts a long time after they get fired, you know. Um, well, you, you, I mean, you said not fired, so... Well, see, here's... Well, I'm not saying not fired. Right. I'm saying we didn't fire them. Right. I'm thinking we, we introduce a new company structure, possibly. Right, um, right. You know, some kind of elaborate system where they're not technically employed... Or fired by us. Oh, right. So they're like independent contractors. Yeah, well, like, I'm thinking we put some, like, middlemen in the middle. So, like, right. we hire someone who hires someone who hires a guy called Steve. And technically, they don't work for Supremacy Software. They work for Steve. Right. And Steve hires them to work as contractors in the Supremacy Software offices. Right, right. And right. then when they get fired, that's because Steve fired them. Right. They were employees of Steve. Right. So Supremacy... It, it, I want to get it to a point where if, you know, if they want to go leave and say, Supremacy Software mistreated me, Supremacy Software is where I worked, Supremacy Software fired me, 
Defamation That's, libel. Exactly. It's defamation. It's libel. We yeah. never employed them. We never fired them. Yeah. You want to leave. You leave Steve. Yeah, exactly. Steve might have. You might have worked for Steve. Steve might have fired you. That's Steve. You what might a have bastard. Worked, you might have worked in Supremacy Software's offices, but we weren't your employer. Steve was. Steve's such a bastard. You, you treat them so badly. Fuck, fucking Steve. Fucking Steve. I mean, I, I like the cut of Steve's jib. Can we hire Steve? I, no, no. Well, I mean... That, that might kind of defeat the whole point of what right, we're trying right, to do. Right, right, right. Yeah, like, I mean, but you gotta admire the guy, right? I mean, I do admire Steve. Steve is a fucking genius. <laughs> I know. So, <sighs> what have you been in your ears? Uh, it's, it's a boring week for stuff I've listened to this week. Yeah? I'm gonna sum, sum it up in two things. Ooh. Pokemon soundtracks mm-hmm. and My Chemical Romance. I am excited for Pokemon to be coming out yeah. soon, and I'm hyperfixating on my Chemical Romance. That is the week. That is the week in Listen. There is nothing else. It's Pokemon and MCR. I mean, those are the important ones. What about you? Have you listened to things of note? I have listened to a couple of things. I don't know how notey they are. So, last week I ranted a little bit about the Welcome to Night Vale having an episode that's specifically about what happens after the first novel. Yeah. So you went and listened. So to I them. went and tracked down the yeah. the audiobook and, and listened to that. It's it's all right. Do you, do you feel less like you've missed out now? I feel less like I've missed out now. Hooray! But also like, eh, I mean, it was all right. I don't it, think it was brilliant. I I enjoyed it enough. It 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 tied up some loose ends, yeah. I guess. It 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 it. I I remember enjoying it when I listened to it at the time, but also being. Having no blood. I mean, I remember being very aware of the fact that it was people who had excelled at making short form media Mm. taking their first steps at making that long form. Mm. And that is always going to be different. Like, you can't one-to-one something into a longer format. Yeah. And some stuff gets strengthened by the longer format, some stuff gets weakened. I don't think this gets weakened a lot by being longer form. Definitely gets weakened... Somewhat. I think... I think it helps that Night Vale has always had that, like, fortnightly, at most, uh, release schedule. Yeah. I think it helped that I was listening to the audiobook, because the I was, I was listening to the way certain bits were being read, and I was like, this really only works in Cecil's voice. Yes. Like, the, the very precise radio language in a lot of it really feels like it is only written to be spoken by Cecil. Like it is an extended script. Yes. And I don't know how well that would read. Um, As someone who has read portions of it... It's over there on the the book. As someone who has read it as a book, as well as listening to the audiobook, I think if you are like me and are someone that can imagine voices and sounds in your head... I had zero trouble reading that in Cecil's voice. It is written in a way where my brain found it very easy to go, I can just hear Cecil saying all yeah. of this in my head. Yeah. More so than any other book I've ever written, I was like, oh, I'm reading a voice here. Yeah. And and even the bits when it's not the, the, the voice of Night Vale chapters. But um, the story is... I think the fact that it, it has to maintain that level of Night Vale weirdness constantly for 400 plus pages 
Yeah. Does make it a little bit of a grind towards the end. And also the just the way that certain things are are, are in in that it's... writing style things get a little bit repeated sometimes. Yes. And then at the same time when you've got stuff it's like and then this just happened. Yes. Nobody they didn't quite understand how it happened but the next moment this thing had happened. I, I mean that's narratively it's, helpful, I suppose. It's it's been a while since I've listened to it or read it, but the comparison that I kind of want to make uh, right now is what I think worked really well about the "Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared" TV show adaptation mm. was that it did get longer in format, but it wasn't afraid to have moments of downtime from the intense weirdness. Mm. And I feel like the Night Vale novel doesn't necessarily do that. No. It tries to hit that Night Vale note and stay there the entire time. Yeah. As opposed to having moments of, actually, this is very calm and normal so that the peaks feel, you know, to be in contrast. Yeah. And, and I think by virtue of it being like eight hours worth of, of audiobook, nine hours worth of audiobook, and it keep repeating the things of, just remember to talk into a- any microphone concealed clumsily around your house so that the secret sheriff's secret police can hear you. And the Erica's get brought up a lot. And the uh, giant planet gets brought up several times. And it's just like, I think I can work out roughly where this is in the, the show. But also, like, this is... If it's... It's almost starting to grate on me a bit, and I don't know if that's because of the density of the the the, the book itself, or because I've listened to so much Nightmare recently. I feel like... It could be a bit of both. I, I feel like maybe a bit of both. I feel like part of it is maybe because they have to tell an entire book's worth of narrative while largely keeping to a very small set of topics and plot threads to minimise the amount that is happening that is being missed out by the podcast-only podcast, podcast only listeners. Mm. And as such, there is a lot of, okay, we can do these plot threads and not have that be a big deal. We're going to keep coming back to them and keep hitting on them because they are the points that, like, if we stick to, we're not alienating other listeners. Yeah. It did feel a bit drawn out uh, towards the end. Like, I think maybe if it was 100 pages shorter, it it could have done with that. Because there are a few times where it's just, just like, yes, and I know this fact about this book because you've already told me several times. And in a podcast where old woman Josie, who lives with the angels, but we don't talk about angels, comes up once or twice per episode, that's f- and, and then it's not on for two more weeks. Yeah. That's fine. But when it's happening like every few pages of, oh, the angels, but we don't talk about the angels... Um, yes. And oh, uh, D- Diane's son changes into different shapes all the time. Yeah, it's. Yeah. The, but we'll just go on and on and on the, about that. The podcast can dip in and out of all of its weird little threads yeah. and it can introduce new ones and it can play around with the whole set in a way that like keeps them rotating on far and like separated enough a rotation yeah. that you can't get away with if you are trying to make a book out of. A limited number of these things mm. because you don't want to spiral the canon outside of the 
podcast. Yeah. And I also didn't think that the ending was particularly satisfying. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, yep, that explains all of those things. Good for you, buddy. <laughs> Thumbs up to you. And then I re-listened to the episode that I'd previously been ranting about. I was like, meh, it didn't matter, really, ultimately. Yeah. It's... That whole episode says very little, and I think maybe that's what irritates me about it. That that episode just says so little. I mean... It's like, oh, we all know the thing. I mean, the episode is trying to do... It did exactly... Buy the book. The, the episode did 110% exactly <laughs> the thing it was designed to do, which is it made you feel like you'd missed out and go listen to the audio That is true. <laughs> they got me. Um, have you listened to anything else? No, no, <laughs> just Pokemon and Um, there are, have been two new releases on the Magnus Archives uh, yeah. podcast feed. Have been, yes. I so I haven't got round to to finishing off the uh, Rusty Fears stuff yet. I will get back to those. Don't worry, and I will report to them back to you, listeners. Don't you worry. There are two new things, um, both in the same universe. So, there are, well, technically three, I guess. So the show is called Nine to Midnight, and it is a collaboration from about 12 different spoopy podcasts. Yes. And the overriding theme is there's a group of people, and they are meeting up in an abandoned amusement park, and they're just going to tell scary stories. And there's, there's, there's like a little bit of setup of, oh, you know, last year we went somewhere else and, and did a similar thing. There's a, some conversations about urban exploration. And then ultimately it gets into, we're, we're going to tell spoopy stories. Why have we come to this particular weird theme park? Didn't you invite us here? I didn't invite you here. Didn't, didn't, didn't somebody else invite us here? No. Then who brought us here? The invites are coming from inside the house. Inside the theme park. And then the... Uh, the theme park sort of comes to life. An announcement comes over the air in a voice that I'm pretty sure is Alexander Janiel. And talks about, hey, if you if you go this way, uh, why not tell stories about the real world? And if you go this way, why not tell stories about dreams? And that's like a, like a 10 minute pre-podcast. And then you have two separate ones that are like an hour or so each. And or maybe slightly less than that. And one of them is specifically stories related, seated within the real world that is supposed to have happened to that group of people. And the others are all about sort of weirdly fantastical things. And understandably, the real world stories are perhaps a lot more unsettling than the the dream ones. That is often the way of horror. Yeah, like with Magnus Archives... Someone asked him in one of the Magnus Archives fan pages the other day, like, how scared are you by the Magnus Archives? I was like, not really. I mean, look. I don't listen to it to be scared. I'm not really scared at all when it's like an episode about a supernaturally thing. But like, then you'll sometimes get like that one episode that was about Martin going through dementia. And I'm like, oh, I think that's no. Ah. I was trying to remember what the episode was. I remember that there was one episode in season five that had really like started to spin me out a bit. And I think it might have been the the hospital one. Oh, oh, the giving you a bunch of injections you don't understand. Yeah, and yeah. 
like I, bad doctors and and, yes. and bad medication. Yeah, that that one that one was a lot. The the I don't remember who I am or who you are or yes. where I am was a lot. Yes, it's the it's the real world ones that that shake me. Yeah, um, and but there there are some genuinely unsettling stories. Like there's one about a guy who always wakes up in the morning with his dog licking his face, and I'm not gonna tell you where that goes, but it's really fucked up. Uh, there's another one about a dog. Where it's uh the 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 situation was uh my dog would like was weirdly human, it had weirdly human eyes like a lot of the whites of the eyes were showing, and that mm. sort of gave it a weird human characteristic, and I swear this dog always used to tell me to go to bed, and then one day I had a friend who had to come and stay with us for a while, and he would always give my dog a little bit of food because she'd always sit there staring at him, and. It would always be like one bite for me and one bite for you, and that story goes some fucking places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, there's a story about a guy who's hearing uh, noises in his apartment, always seemingly sort of from the left hand side, and that is just a really unpleasant story. Just like a thing I had a genuine phobia about as a child. <laughs> Because of a misunderstanding about the name of an insect, <laughs> and yeah, there's the like that whole the whole whole series or mini series is intense. really well done, very intense, and I am maybe curious to try and track down some of the mentioned podcasts. So I guess that also did its job. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it's called Nine to Midnight. The first one is called Terrors of the Real World. The second one is called. Uh, the Horrors of Our Dreams. Hmm. And those are both available, or, or, or all three parts are available on the, the Magnus Archives uh, podcast feed. And you've listened to MCR and Pokemon. Yeah. yeah! Well then, time for this. Homins have done the ritual again. Is is the time is not the same as it was? No, they they all dressed up in 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 the weird clothes and the skulls and the spoopy and the pumpkins, and now the time is wrong. Now is is this? I don't get fed when it's dark now. It's I get fed time. after dark time. It's dinner time, but it's not dinner time. And it's, and I am natural for twilight food eating. Uh, it's not the same time that I'm always fed, and no. now it's 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 the. The food robot feeds me at a different time. I don't like it. I don't like it. The food robot does not feed me the same. Can we stop their unholy ceremony for next year, maybe? Um, maybe if we scratch, scratch at their unholy rituals, scratch the floors, break the ritual circles. Good time. I'm hungry. We've all been there, right? You're at a party. Hey, um, do you mind if I ask you a, a, a personal question? Oh, how personal is it going to be? That's the problem, isn't it? You don't know how, per- how personal it's going to be. You don't know if that's a bad faith actor. Introducing the bad faith detector keyring. If someone starts asking you questions that you're not usually comfortable answering, just click the discrete button and it will vibrate in different patterns to tell you if it's a good or bad faith question. That sounds super useful. Sign up today and get the bad faith detector plus, which will give you a different buzz to let you know if that person is just being polite or if they're also gay and trying to flirt with you. Oh, thank you. Bad faith detector keyring, you probably need it. 
Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Brochure Justice Warriors. Brochure Justice Warriors? Yeah. Alright, Larry. Alright, Larry. How you doing? Oh, not bad, mate. Not bad. You, you, you that's much. Oh, well, I've been watching some ridiculous go down on social media this week. Oh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, well. It's chaos out there, mate. Oh, it is, it is. But uh, there's a particular bit of chaos that caught my attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know how uh, the uh, anti-trans lot have been... Uh, for many, many, many years now, very openly cozying up with the far right. Oh, the right, right, you know, the fascists, the, the, yeah. uh, the, the, the Christian uh, American right wing, you know. Well, yeah, not just the Christian, but, you know, some of the openly, uh, you know, more fascistic uh, elements, the uh, certain uh, journalists who uh, oh, probably I mean, shouldn't be named, certain, you know, right wing politicians who definitely shouldn't be named. Yeah, you know. yeah, but I mean, and not only just, you know, buddying up with them and siding up with them because they happen to also be pro- uh, anti- anti-trans, yeah. We're also accepting very large amounts of money to fund their anti-trans shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, Heritage like, Foundations. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, yeah. But look, uh, this has been a thing we've known has been happening for years. Oh, yeah, it's we been all... a very open thing. It's yeah, I mean, been so, a so queer people have been saying it for a while, trans people yeah. have been saying it for a while, and then I, I think... It, it seemed weird. There was that whole uh, uh, that was it, uh, you know, the Posey Parker thing in 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 London. I think it was a couple of months back. Yeah, and there was a lot of proud boys at that, uh, or, yeah. or certainly fascistic types at that. And at the time, if you watched all of the uh, the anti-trans lot, they were actually very positive about it. They were very like. Oh, yeah, well, you know, as long as they're here to support the cause, protecting women like us, uh, blah, 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 yeah, all yeah, that yeah. bullshit. So, at any cost, yeah. we, we're we're all united against, you yeah. know, the way the right wing do like to cosy up together yeah. until one of them becomes well, useless to the other. Well, here's the thing. Mainstream audiences seem to have picked up on the fact that they the, the anti-trans people are cozying up with fascists. Yeah. And you're starting to see, and I'm not going to name names, but you're starting to see uh, prominent figures in the anti-trans community try and play shock and horror like oh my goodness i i had no idea but apparently some of my uh, some of the anti-trans community not me and uh, some fringe members of the anti-trans community have been cozying up with fascists i'm shocked i am horrified i i am i am appalled to see that they would do this and i look at these things happening and i'm just sort of no one fucking believes you no one believes you you are you are lying through your fucking teeth don't yeah like if you see this bullshit going on, just f- fucking call it out for what it is, because these people are trying to trying to d- distance themselves from the very fascist al- alliances they willingly made. Yeah, you know, yeah, you have to remember that if you are at a gathering and someone turns up in fascist garb or, or wearing fascist symbols and they don't immediately get the shit kicked out of them, then you are at a fascist event. Yeah. There's no getting around that, you know. We've we we've seen that for a while. We, we've you know, uh, especially with the anti-trans lot, you know, more more online. But you know, in, the, in certainly in the last couple of months, they've been very publicly, uh, you know, out in force uh, together, uh, various rallies and meetings. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's funny how that was perhaps a step too far for for some of the people who were like. Yeah, I do just have genuine questions and you have well, love bought me into I mean, sort of going along with your, with your thing. And yeah. now I actually see that, oh, you, you really are just hanging out with actual literal fascists well, I mean, and I'm not okay with I that. Mean, it has been interesting recently to see some of the, uh, the mums net types going, I feel uncomfortable with how, uh, cl- how buddy-buddy our community is with 
uh, particularly misogynist fascists yeah. and uh, yeah. going, you know, why, you know, you, we have started to see some of some of the uh, the newer, uh, you know, people in the, in those converts being like, wait a second, if the only people who are willing to stand with us on this are fascists that hate women, maybe this isn't the pro womanhood uh, movement we've been led to believe we're in. Yeah, which makes an interesting change because I do remember a couple of years ago we were seeing, you know, that the well, the, for some reason the only people that are willing to stand up to us, stand with us, are the fascists. But do welcome along, comrade. They seem to be saying, and now that tune is starting to change a little bit. Um, uh, it's all becoming a bit too real for them, yeah, perhaps. Look, there's having there, it's getting enough of a problem there, having to acknowledge and try and distance themselves from yeah. it themselves. Don't let people, don't let them deny and don't let people forget that they are fundamentally a movement that was more than happy to work with fucking Nazi fascists if it meant tearing down trans people. Yeah. Collaborate, as we call it. Yeah. Oh. That's your hug. I love one, mate. Oh. <sighs> good hug, mate. Good hug. Right, I'll uh, go put the kettle on. Oh, sounds lovely. Nice. So, Laura, <gasps> tell us about book that you do. Book, book I do. Book you I, do. I You've mean, done books. I've done books and I'm doing books at the moment. Yeah. Uh, me and my dysphoria monster, it's out now. Gender euphoria, it's out now. Things I learned from Mario's butt, it's out now. Uncomfortable labels, it's out now. We did one together that's coming in like February. Tell us about that one. That one's called Who Hunts the Well, and it's it's basically the shenanigans of Supremacy Software, and 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 how a year in the life of working at Supremacy Software would go, when you are a new person there and you were kind of wowed by the whole video game industry, and you you want the video game industry to be good, but. If you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know what Supremacy Software is like. Imagine that. Yeah. It's it's funny and silly and serious and we've read it through six times in the course of, of writing the book and it still makes us laugh, so that that that's a good sign. Although more and more every day we just go, oh the games industry, stop stealing our ideas. <laughs> this is supposed to be a dystopian novel. In places. Um, where can we find you on the internet? Laura K. Buzz. Just everywhere. Laura K. Buzz. Laura K. Buzz. Laura K. Buzz. Twitter, Laura Twitch, YouTube, TikTok. Patreon. That's all the Facebook bills. It's Laura K. Buzz. Where Laura about K. Buzz. you? I uh, can be found at Linktree slash Janiac. That's linktr.ee slash Janiac. J-A-N-E-I-A-C. You can find my Redbubble where you can get cool, queer, and pleasant strangers t-shirts. And spoopy t-shirts and all sorts of... There's one that's just Laura jumping out of a butt that says butts on it. <laughs> and 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 all sorts of fun designs that I have done. And I need to buy more of my own shirts because I love them. There's the Neuro Spicy chart. That's one of my favourite shirts. I have one of those. It's brilliant. My most important one is patreon.com slash radio For as little as a dollar a month you can help me justify a 76 hour work week. You you can you can you can sponsor me for o- over ten dollars a month and you or ten dollars a month or more and you can get early access to Queer and Pleasant Strangers and anything else I happen to release. 
does that's that's all the things. I also make music under the name Bedroom Programmer. Check it out. I'm hoping soon to be able to make more music because I really, really want to. Ah, uh, Laura, <gasps> will you sing us out, please, darling? Until next time, be a stranger. <laughs>